everyone. Welcome to the WTOC Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm WTOC Sports Director Jake Wallace coming to you just a few days before we have high school football in the state of Georgia. Everything gets kicked off this Friday night, September 4th. So does the end zone on WTOC. You'll see it during the news at 11, right at 11.15. I and the rest of the WTOC sports team will be bringing you all the action, highlights, and scores from around the coastal empire and low country. To get you ready for Friday night football in the state of Georgia, got an interview with a good friend of mine, John Nelson of GPB Sports. You see him every Friday night during football Fridays and during state championship weekend interviewing the coaching coach and players who have just won state championships. So John's going to talk to me a little bit about his thoughts on, on everything going on this Friday night, and it's going to be a doozy. What a first week of games we have, some games that we're going to be bringing to you on the end zone. Wayne County at Statesboro, our game of the week, originally going to be played in the Irk Russell Classic. Now moving over to Womack Field at Statesboro High School, still going to be a great game regardless of where it's played. Some other ones to look out for here in Savannah, ECI at Savannah Christian over at Pooler Stadium. Also Benedictine hosting Burke County at Memorial Stadium. Two power programs getting after it here in Savannah. So we'll have those and many more for you coming up this Friday night on the end zone. But to get you ready for just the season in general, we're going to go now to our interview with GPB Sports John Nelson, an expert on Georgia high school football. All right, we got John Nelson from GPB Sports joining us in the podcast. If there's anything you need to know about high school football, past or present, odds are this guy knows it. And we're glad to be wasting a little bit of his always precious time here on the WTOC Sports Podcast. So, John, this is, this is right in your wheelhouse. This is your week, man. You've got your finger on the pulse of everything high school football in the state of Georgia. How are people feeling, coaches, players, everyone throughout the state as we are now just days from really the first actual Friday night of high school football? Well, I think that when you talk to coaches across the board, they're excited to get to this point. I know that there are some school systems that have delayed. There are some up here in the Atlanta area where I'm based that have delayed a week, two, or three, or, and so on. There are some programs in central Georgia that have basically said, we're not going to play a non-region schedule. We're just going to line things up in region play and see how things are with, with COVID-19. But, you know, across the board, Jake, I think that everyone is, is glad to have this sense of normalcy on, on a football Friday because it's already started in the, in the state of Alabama where they've already had games on the grid. And when the rest of the Southeast is coming online in one you know, form or fashion, I think that what it does is it just, it reminds us of the time of year that we're in and, you know, having been pretty much self sequestered for the last five months, you know, waiting for whatever the new normal is and then the pieces of it that we have of the new normal to have football on Friday nights or, or in your neck of the woods, sometimes a Thursday, sometimes a Friday, sometimes a Saturday. Uh, it's just, you get coaches that are, excited to be out there you have kids that are excited to be out there and all the student athletes and all the participation that's allowed in the new normal as well and uh you know and i think for coaches too it's it's been an education for all of us and for a lot of us because now when i talk to coaches all around the state they're learning new things about how to coach i mean in the old days and i say that considering i'm 172 years old 
when I was, you know, in high school, it was that whole notion of if you're hurt, you know, rub some dirt on it, shake it off, uh, you know, those kinds of things. Oh, it's a stinger. Everything will be, everything will be fine. But now with how things are in the, in the public health sphere, you're performing more of a benefit if you're calling your coach from home and saying, I don't feel well, instead of being there at practice. So I think that uh, the, the added personal responsibility that we're, we're all learning here, I think that it's, it's interesting to see coaches learning these new lessons as well, telling their student athletes, if you don't feel well, stay at home, get tested, get well first. And so I think that it's, it's interesting to see all of this new learning that we have here in the new normal. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of the coaches around our area, and the, I've been asked this a million times, how is everybody feeling? And I'll say it's cautious optimism. Everyone, I think, feels good. They feel like, okay, well, we're going to play. But there is that underlying thought of, but we have to do everything right. Mm -hmm. If we slip up for even a day, a couple days, a week, we could be in a really bad position. And so I think that's where that optimism comes from is like you said, there's a lot of personal responsibility on coaches and players and a lot of them are taking it very, very seriously. Now, this is still a situation that we don't know a whole lot about. It's new for everyone. And football is a contact sport. Things, uh, social distancing, not really an option in a lot of, in a lot of football spheres. How, how have you felt about this season from, from the beginning of the summer to now? How has your optimism kind of improved or, or where has it gone since the beginning of the summer when it felt like, man, I don't know if we're going to have high school football to now being a couple days out? Well, and this is, I guess this is where I send you, you know, a couple of bucks where I bring in the, my first sports cliche here. Uh, it's uh, I take it a day at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think that the information that we had, a couple of months ago is different than what we had today, but it's what you're doing. You're learning in pieces. You're learning on a day-to-day -day basis and you're taking all of that knowledge base and you're applying it forward, you know, and then, you know, we talk about how it's going to be different. You know, uh, there's a discussion of officiating crews, not being the same number that they are, the coin toss being different because, uh, you know, when we look at officiating crews, uh, they're a part of that, that demographic that seems to be affected that much more by COVID-19. Uh, there's been discussions about widening your areas on the sidelines so your, uh, your student athletes aren't standing as next to each other as they are. So instead of it being, say, the 30, I've heard it being widened as far as the 10-yard line so you can have some kind of social distancing along the sidelines. So, uh, you have all of these things that we don't necessarily think about when it comes to the day-to-day -day of watching a football game, but then having to think about every possible aspect of public health that's added into this and trying to be as safe as possible for your adults and for your student athletes and for everyone that's involved on a Friday night. And so it's all of these little things that add up and then you sit there and go, oh yeah, that's right. So what if we do this? And uh, you know, I think that from a, a television perspective, it's going to be a challenge for us and we're trying to figure out what it's going to be when we do football Fridays in Georgia. I mean, we're still trying to, to figure out what it's going to look like logistically later on in the year. But uh, I think that we can take our, our clues from the other sports that have been broadcast live and it's going to be a challenge for us logistically. It's going to be a challenge for you guys logistically as well, trying to figure out where you can be, what you can shoot, you know, and all these kinds of things. And so it's, 
it, it literally is it's as much learning for me as it is for everybody else here. I'll ask you this, and I don't want to put you too much in the prediction business. I know that's never a fun spot to be, but I love all of my children equally, Jake, you know this. Exactly. There it is. State championships, you're there as they hand trophies. You talk to winning coaches and winning players. That's been backed up a little ways into December. So I'll ask you right now, John, and I know what you want, but I'll ask you what you think. Will you be there as someone, as a team, as a coach, and players are handed state championship trophies in late December? I think so. And it goes to that, that cautious optimism that we've all had. And you look at what the, the Georgia High School Association has been doing with their uh, SMAC, their, their Sports Medicine Advisory Council, and they're having these consistent meetings and they're uh, adjusting their rules as they go. And you see counties who are sitting there and saying, okay, well, if we push things back, then we can be, you know, we, we know what may be coming down the line. And then you have, uh, you have school systems that will sit there and they'll come up with a deadline and then things may improve. And so you have all of this, this give and take that we've been talking about when it comes to, to daily knowledge. And once again, I think that when it comes to scheduling, I'm fairly confident that not every team that goes into a postseason will have played a 10-game schedule. I mean, going into the, going into the summer, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Stevenson High School, they had nine games, and they were not going to move off of that number because that extra date where they would have had to have picked up a 10th game, it would have meant travel and all of the things that are associated with it. And uh, Ron Gartrell, the head coach, said at the time, it's like it would have meant traveling to South Georgia. And there's a lot of logistics involved in this new normal about taking a team from suburban to Cab County, taking them to wherever they would go in South Georgia. And in the past, it's been Waycross, it's been Douglas, it's been Valdosta to play these games and, and then turn around and go back. And so uh, we've seen cancellations earlier this week with Colquitt County. They've uh, taken their first two non-region games off the board because of uh, what they're having to monitor there in Moultrie. So I don't think everyone's going to have 10 games on the board going into that five-game postseason. And if it means that their school systems and their schools are taking that much more caution in getting to that point to where you can get to region play, have full region numbers, and have your seedings there as purely as you can have them then go into your postseason, I think that all of this extra care is leading us in that direction. All right, we'll talk some actual football now. We'll get, we'll get more on, on football talk around football here in a minute, but we'll talk some actual football. We'll talk it here in Southeast Georgia, where this is an area of the state that has long been kind of overlooked at times in high school football, and you've seen lately – some rise up the profile of some regions, some schools that maybe had long been forgotten. What do you see out of Southeast Georgia that has you excited for this Friday and the rest of this 2020 season? Choice D, all the above. How about that? <laughs> Taking it into a, a multiple choice. But no, I think that when you look at a team like Richmond Hill and what Matt Lazat was able to do last year mm -hmm. and knocking off Valdosta, getting into the semis, first region title, you know, since – Atlanta had an Olympiad. I mean, that's how long we're talking about here, back to 1996, you know, and, and with uh, reclassification being what it is, you know, Benedictine is now in quad A, so you look at that region and uh, how things are for Kyle Hockman now and in his next year being a head coach down there, uh, you look at, and, and I see your point, and I, I think that you're right in the notion that 
specifically the coastal teams are the ones that aren't really looked at because I mean, and I'll mention Glen Academy and Brunswick to me, they're two top 20 teams in six day as is Richmond Hill. But I think that because they're not Jacksonville where Camden County would be getting the coverage in seven a and that's where you'll see, you know, Camden County highlights until that Richmond Hill game this weekend, which is really going to be a fantastic game to start the season. But when you're in Brunswick, you're talking about an hour away from you on a Friday night. And so if there's a home game for two of the top three teams in region two, six, a, you're having to travel an hour to get what, 45 seconds of highlights, maybe. Yep. So you're looking at establisher really. And if you're trying to get home, it's literally, it's running through a banner. If you're there first, if you're not, you're looking at seven second highlights. So that's probably, five plays plus pad to get you to 45 seconds. So you're looking for five plays and you're traveling an hour to do it. And you're trying to coordinate it to see if Glen Academy and Brunswick are playing home games, which they can't because it's a single facility. Yeah. And so it, you're all over the place trying to get stuff. And it's a it's challenge. It's like you've done this job for a couple of years. Hey, I know, really? Uh, and so you're trying to gauge what you can get and what you can't. And the fact that you're having to travel an hour and you'd only be getting either the red team or the blue team down there in Glen County, it does kind of fall in the in-betweens. They have to come more toward you to get something done. So Rocky Hidalgo for me and the Red Tears, they've always been a team that has kind of slid through the cracks. And then when they would end up playing Northside Warner Robins in the playoffs and they bump them off, everybody's like, oh, Glen Academy, Glen Academy. And everybody's like, no, Glen Academy's been a good team in that particular year when they had DJ Dallas and made their way to the Dome to play Alatoon in the final. They were a great defensive team. Sean Pender with what he does at Brunswick. Mm -hmm. They're a tremendous offensive team. And when you have the, the firepower that he's had in the past, I mean, you look at the city of Brunswick. Red school, blue school. I mean, to me, those are the top two examples of, of things that have slid through the cracks. But then when you have what Coach Cameron did at Jenkins with the run that they had last year and, and things like that and everybody getting notice about the city of Savannah and Chatham County schools. I mean, for me, it's just been fun because I get to, to talk about it and sit there and say, okay, so here's what's happening down on the coast. You know, when MCA was doing well in, in Darien and Single A, when you have, uh, once again, another school that's difficult to access in this day and age, yes, you can maybe pull something off of Twitter or something like that and, you know, blow it up and expand it and it looks all grainy and everything to try to give it the coverage that it's due. But just travel makes things difficult these days when it comes to those schools that are off the beaten track. That, that's a really good point. And, and I think it is one of those things that we, we have to kind of battle every Friday night. And that's one of those things you, you try to get, you know, hey, you know, how can we get you know, some of these teams to coverage that deserve it because there are a lot of really, really good teams. Play cross, black shirt, I mean, Pierce and Ware. I mean, to me, yeah. there are another couple of examples. And so the, the, you've got great football down there in the southeastern part of the state, but just access makes it difficult. And you're having to sit there and watch huddle videos or Twitter or the local guys because uh, one of the first things that I learned, and this is, this is the obscure reference of, of this particular show, uh, one of my favorite books, Sun Tzu's The Art of War. <laughs> my favorite quotes in all of it is trust the local guides for they know the terrain. And so when it comes to me being up here in Atlanta, you being there in Savannah, you're one of the first guys I talk to when it comes to what's going on. I call the radio guys. I talk to the TV guys because there's only so much that I can glean on a, on a daily basis and on a weekly basis. And so to have you guys there, I think that 
you're, you're the lifeline to all of this when it comes to showcasing all of the student athletes and all the great programs in a top three sport in a top three state for this sport in the country. I mean, it is Florida, it is Georgia, it is California, it is Texas. You're battling it out in the top four state and guys like you are vital to help guys like me and guys like Tommy Palmer, who by the way, has forgotten more than I will ever remember. So Tommy is my Oracle in all of this, but you guys are vital in this process so we can all have the same information. Remember it's right here on the WTSC Sportscast. That's the only place you will find art of war analysis along with your high school football coverage. There are some teams that I don't think have gotten a lot of pub that I am really interested in seeing. And one of those teams I'm looking forward to this Friday night because they have a major matchup coming up, and that would be the Metter Tigers. And we hear how everything is better in Metter. And I want to know, can they make a better 2020 than they had in 2019? Because that team was phenomenal last year, and they're expected to be so uh, very, very good as well this year. Yeah, I think they can. And for me, when you mentioned Metter, the first name that pops into my head is Zach Stanford and, and the, the, all the mileage that he got with that throwing arm of his. And once again, you know, it's just going into the Wayback Machine to try to, to remind myself about the Metter Tigers. But no, I think they can. And I think the wild card in all of this is once again, reclassification. And I think that with things looking differently than they did last year, you, there might be openings in some places that you might not have had last year. I mean, uh, honestly, you look at this year for me and in double A, I think that you could look at a Swainsboro and you could look at a Vidalia, two teams that are probably top 20 in power rankings that I think if things fall the right way, I think that they can make deep runs as well. So you look at a Metter, you look at a Swainsboro, you look at a Vidalia. And really, I think that the wild card in all of this, actually there are two, and I'll probably add more as we go. But the wild card in all of this, reclassification, and then the full schedules. Because I think that the closest that you get to a 10-game schedule, then I think that the, the, the more warm your engine is by the time you get into region play, and then you get into region play. And, and we've talked before that I've always broken this down into three seasons. Season one, your non-region schedule, which hopefully gets you ready for season two, which is your region schedule, which you hope gets you ready for season three, which is your playoffs. How much of not having season one will impact you in season two? You will have wanted to play. You haven't been playing. But if you've gotten all those games together like Benedictine was with Danny Britt, where he just, you know, bashed the phone and did tweets and did emails and got, got the games on his schedule figured out to where he got a full grid, I think that a team like Benedictine in their first year in a new classification in a new region, it will help them getting ready for region play, which will get them ready for the playoffs. And so I think that uh, reclassification is a wild card in this and also the, the 10 game schedule is another one for me. Yeah, you mentioned Benedictine, of course, they're, they're one of the premier teams here in this area, but you mentioned that meant that move up to class 4A and things going to be a little different for Benedictine just in the last few weeks since the Chatham County intradistrict edict that came down. They've put that schedule together. They're playing a lot of really, really good teams. But what do you see out of the cadets? I've talked to some of their guys. They think their offense is going to be phenomenal, and I don't have any reason to doubt them. Last year was a little bit of a down year. I mentioned that 2019 was kind of a year to forget for the cadets, which is tells you how good they've been when they still won eight games and went to the second round of the playoffs. Uh -huh. But that's a down year for them. They want to rebound. They're a lot older. They're a lot wiser. They had a bunch of guys play last year that maybe 
weren't necessarily ready for varsity play. They're better this year, and, and but stepping up into Class 4A, where do you see the cadets in terms of, I don't want to say the power rankings, but as they stack up with the, the elite in Class 4A? Uh, the short version is right there. Uh, we just released our uh, preseason top 10s at gpb.org slash sports slash in the football section. So if anybody would like to go there, uh, and there'll be, more, there'll be more blatant promos as we go here. But uh, I had Benedictine in my preseason top 10. And I, I think that when you have a really young roster and you have to start some guys sooner than you would have liked out of, out of necessity, and then you have that year older. And I think that what that does, once again, it, it gets them game ready sooner. And I think that that extra year of experience in a very tough place to play, meaning Benedictine, because you know, you know and I know that when you're there, you've got that bullseye on your chest coming in. And I think that having young guys last year means that they're more experienced this year. I'll give you another example down, down in Camden since we talked about them earlier. Jamie Felix was getting reps as a freshman. And we knew what he was able to do as a freshman. So now as a sophomore and a junior, and as he's getting older, you see that growth curve. You see that experience curve. And I, I think that you're going to see that with BC as well, with those guys that got the starts last year younger than perhaps Danny Britt would have liked. I think that getting them into this season, I think that, uh, yeah, they're going to be hard to catch offensively. And so I, I would expect uh, a lot of large numbers to the left of the dash when you're looking at, at scoreboards this season. One final team I'll ask you about, we mentioned that region of death, and, and this is a team that has under Ken Cribb been really, really good. A lot of terrific seasons over at Jessup. That's the Wayne County Yellow Jackets. A great uh, first test for them taking on Statesboro this Friday night. They've been a team that's been there. They've won a lot of games, but they haven't necessarily had that postseason success that folks in Wayne County have, have liked to this point. What do you see out of Wayne County in one of the toughest regions in all of Georgia? <laughs> you ain't kidding. I mean, let, let's think about this. For those that haven't had the chance to, to look at Region 1-5A, here's what you have. Warner Robins, who's made it to the last game of the year very frequently in recent history. Coffee. We all know about coffee and what Robbie Pruitt does down there in Douglas, and they've got A.J. Wilkerson coming back at quarterback. Where we know what Ware County can do with Thomas Castellanos at quarterback and Michael Mincy on your defense. You've got Coach Cribb and Wayne County there. We know what they're able to do come the postseason. And veterans with Milan Turner. So think about this. In a five-team region, one of those teams is not going to make the playoffs, period. And that fifth team out of that region could make a serious run deep into the playoffs if they were all there. So yeah. when you have this knockdown drag out region of doom in region one, five, a I'm looking forward to it. So I'm anticipating there will be a lot of highlights on, on WTOC this season as so I can you know keep an eye on it. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Thank you for the plug. Yeah. That's what we're here for. But Wayne County for me, and that goes back to the discussion we had earlier about, coverage falling you know, between the cracks. Because you're in Jessup, and uh, I don't have a crow with me, so how far is it from uh, TOC to Jessup on a Friday night? Hour 20, give right. or take. So, and that's the thing, is that it's not all freeway like that hour that you would go from WTOC down to Brunswick to cover Red School and Blue School. You've got to go, and you've got to go into Wayne County and into Jessup to get 
your your highlights there from from uh, Coach Cribb. And so, I think that once again, it's you know a lot of folks were wondering about Richmond Hill last year. Well, what's Richmond Hill? And then they knock off Valdosta, and you're like, oh, but once again, because of where they are, they're kind of in that in between, and they're hard to see until those gotcha moments. Wayne and Jessup, I think, is the same way. Just because of the sheer difficulty to get there to see what's going on. I think that Wayne County can make noise. I honestly think, seriously, the five teams in region one, they could all go deep and it could be like we've yeah. seen in single A and double A in years past, where you'd have teams from one region, like a uh, region one double A, you'd have them all in each quadrant and you'd be one game away from them all playing each other in semifinals. You could see something like that this year in five A, it would not surprise me. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a ball in that region. And, and the fun thing kind of about it, and I've, I've told this, is there's some teams in that region, the veterans, the Warner Robins, that aren't in our DMA, and so people don't get to see a lot of them. They don't know a lot about them. But those are going to be absolute battles uh, when they meet, and it's going to be fun kind of bringing two regions of the state together for a region game. Mm -hmm. uh, those are going to be ones – to look forward to. All right, I want to ask you one question, and and I want to get. You might have a couple answers. You always do. <laughs> Most compound answer for you, yes. Yeah, the team who you think is better than others do from Southeast Georgia. Ah. All right, so I'll go back into I'll go back into Double A, and I'll give you Swainsboro. I think that a lot of folks. Once again, and it goes back to the, the underlying theme that we've had this entire time, because of not being able to see somebody, that kind of gives you this, okay, I'm going to go with what I know as opposed to mm -hmm. what I need to find out. And I think that you look at a Swainsboro, you look at a Vidalia, uh, you know, those would be two for me. Uh, I think that you look at Jenkins. I think that Jenkins is going to be an interesting one to look at with uh, – a new coach and schedule and all that. And once again, I want to see what Kyle Hockman can do at New Hampstead. I think that that's another one for me. And uh, the, the Phoenix for me, by the way, one of the coolest nicknames in the entire state. Love the, love the unis, love the nickname, all that stuff. I want to see what uh, Kyle continues to build down there at New Hampstead. Had a ton of success up in Metro Atlanta and is building a team there with uh, some talent that have a young school. They've had some success, but once again, another one of those teams that because they are so new as a school, a lot of people in the state don't know about them. Uh, Kyle's got a, a really good team, and it's really interesting to see how the intradistrict schedule works. We'll actually be crowning, you know, a City of Savannah champ this year. So that's going to be something interesting and fun and added storyline to this most bizarre year. John, one last one, and I'll let you go. What are you most looking forward to this Friday night, this first Friday night of the 2020 season? meets leather it has to be yeah. that. The, the actual start of games and and getting into a schedule because i know that for a lot of folks for a lot of different reasons it has been a very very tough five and a half months i mean it was just and uh, i will show you something as, as we're talking in a visual sense this is in my office and it is something that i will always keep with me and i'm showing it to you and what yeah. i will do is i will explain what this is for those not watching, this is the starters list for the Club America Atlanta United game that was at the Estadio Azteca March the 11th. I was there watching Atlanta United and Club America in Mexico City. March 11th, 2020, as this game is going on, 
We're finding out about everything going on with the Utah Jazz, everything going on about the NBA, and everything that has gone on since then. So to come from that particular moment to where we are right now, it, we're, it is still a long road on a lot of different fronts. But speaking about it locally, to be to this point to where we get to see our communities come together, our counties come together, our cities come together, and our love for high school football come together. I think for me, it's just, it's really cool to get to this point. And it's going to be an interesting season on a lot of different fronts. And I can't wait for it to get underway. It's going to be different. It's going to look something like we've never seen before. It's going to be packed out Friday nights in half full stadiums. But I've told people there, when you walk into the gate of a high school football stadium on a Friday night in Georgia, you know where you are. Mm-hmm. There are sights, there are sounds, there are smells that is high school football, and that's it. And I'm looking forward to that most of all this Friday night, the first Friday night of the Georgia high school football season. John Nelson, GPB Sports, you can catch him on Twitter on GPB All Fall. Once again, the guy knows everything there is to know about high school football, past and present. He's one of the best people to follow if you are a high school football fan. John, appreciate the time. We'll be in touch. We'll be talking sooner rather than later, I have a feeling. Enjoy Friday night, man. I know you're looking forward to it. Yes, sir, I am. And thanks for all that you do to cover high school sports and uh, do all the great stories down there, not just for for high school athletics, but all the great storylines that come down there. And I know that uh, uh, my hope is that you do not slip on a banana anytime soon when it comes to any action going on down there. May all of your highlights stick to the card. May it all import into the computer and may everything make slot, my friend. We'll catch up soon. Appreciate it, John. See ya. Want to thank John for his time and his expertise. Somebody you really need to follow if you're a high school football fan. If you're not doing so already, what are you doing? You need to follow John Nelson and GPB Sports. They do a terrific job for high school football around the state of Georgia. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. We'll have another one coming out later this week where we'll be breaking down some of those games that are happening this Friday night, talking to some of the coaches, some of the players about what they expect when they take the field for the very first time, the regular season kicking off this Friday night across the state of Georgia. Keep your eyes out. Keep your ears open for these podcasts. We'll be doing a few a week talking about high school football as well as all the other sports news from around the region and Savannah. For WTOC Sports, I'm Jake Wallace. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.